We've been fighting a long time, and we have all lost so very much, so many loved ones gone. But you are not alone. There are pockets of resistance all around the planet. We are at the brink. You have no idea how important you are. If you're listening to this, you are the resistance. Everybody, Steve coming at you with a special guest. If you probably have already heard of him, Bishop Athanasius Snyder, Your Excellency, thank you for coming on and uh, speaking on this topic, and uh, thank you for your time. You're welcome. Uh, now, we're having some technical difficulties, so I'm talking through the phone, people, so bear with us. Uh, so first, we'll get right to it. What is the kingship of Christ? The kingship of Christ, it is a very evident truth in the entire scripture. It is saying that Jesus Christ, the incarnate God, is also the Lord of all uh, earthly realities, not only the Lord of heaven, but also the Lord of this earth. Mm -hmm. And he became man that all things, as St. Paul says in the um, letter to the Ephesians, that all things should be united under the kingship and the ruling of Jesus Christ, this incarnate Son of God. And in the, in to the Corinthians, first Corinthians, he says, Christ in his humanity must rule Opported illum regnare in Latin. He must be the king. And so the entire creation, as St. Paul writes, was created uh, through Christ, through the Son, through the Word. Mm -hmm. And for him, all the creation, the Father created through him, and all beings were created for him. And therefore, all realities of human being, even the social life, was created and meant by God to be under the rule of Christ. Uh, of course, every uh, reality has his own, has their own rules, the spiritual life and the, uh, the corporal life, the life of our body, the life of our soul, but nevertheless, both are created for Christ. And the same, uh, the, the, the private life of human beings and the public or social life are created for Christ. And uh, both, and therefore in the tradition of the church, even starting in the first centuries, um, the church fathers, they said that 
the, um, the church or the Christianity is the soul for human humanity, as they, they made the, the, compar the comparison with the body and the soul. So we have this famous expression in the in the letter to Diognetus. It's an old text from the end of the second century, where there is written the this expression as the soul is for the body mm -hmm. so the christianity the christians the christianity of the church is for humanity humankind or society and so we have this already from the first centuries and the church always kept this that the church of the faith christianity is the soul and the temporal life, the uh, social life, the political life is like the body. And so church and, and, and society has to be together. You cannot, uh, you cannot divide the, them. They have to be together like the body and the soul together to proclaim the glory of God. And so this is the same uh, to the social kingship of Christ. Of course, he is the first, uh, Christ has to be the king in, in the individuals. So every man has to accept Christ as his king and Lord through faith and baptism. But human being is by nature a social being also. And therefore, the entire society has to proclaim Christ and accept him as the Lord. There is no other Lord. And so society uh, cannot be neutral or to God, towards God, or it would be a practical and atheism. And this is against the, and so, so we have the roots foundations of the kingship of Christ very clear in the Holy Scripture and in the teaching of the fathers of the church and continuously in the text of the magisterium, especially the beautiful encyclical on, on the kingship of Christ of Pius XI, as we know, um, from 1925. Mm. Can... And therefore we have to accept this teaching and renew this. Can a nation survive, and in particular, I'm talking about the United States of America, without recognizing the kingship of Christ? They, the Constitution holds yes. all I, religions in the states. Can that yes. last? No, it cannot last because human beings, individually and for the, and the entire society, are created for Christ. This is the meaning of the of the creation. And therefore, when uh, a society is rejecting Jesus Christ, they cannot last uh, well-being and peace. There will come a period when there will be a decay and, and um, a moral or cultural degradation. We had witnessed this in the, in the history. You, you see, in the modern history, the dictatorships 
and the totalitarian political systems. Let us say the French Revolution uh, dictatorship did not survive. And then there were the restoration in the 19th century. Then let us take the communist revolution in Russia. It lasted uh, 70 years, but then collapsed. It was a collapse, uh, spiritually, economically. And then all the Nazi system of Hitler in Germany. Uh, Hitler proclaimed at a thousand year reign, kingdom of uh, the thousand year Reich in Germany. In German, you see, mm -hmm. but it lasts only 12 years because Hitler, the Nazis, they rejected Christ directly, and so, and now then, the current, the current modern society, after Second World War, and now we are witnessing is completely anti-Christian, mm -hmm. and rejecting Christ, and the Church, and so such a society will uh, cause, by time, chaos and collapse. And we could see the chaos recently in these uh, several manifestations of violence and all the instability and fear during the ep epidemic and so on. So the society is showing their they are helpless. And God shows them that without God, ultimately, without Christ, a society cannot survive. You mentioned the F word, fear. Uh, what can you say to fellow Catholics out there who are terrified by watching the TV, the, prop, the media, and things like that, instead of, I want to say they're not trusting in God, but how do you help them in to get over the fear and to trust in God, to not worry about things like this. Yes, a Christian, a believer, uh, had never to fear, never to fear, because we believe that God is with us. And so uh, there is a saying in the Holy Scripture, if God is with us, who is against us? So this is a true, a truth which we have to renew in our souls. And uh, who is believing in God is never alone, never alone. Because God never abandons those who trust in him, never. And, and therefore, who believes is never alone because Christ is not abandoning him who put his trust in him, and also a believer, a, a faithful, has to be conscious that he is connected with others who believe in Christ, who are members of the church, that we are connected together, like in a body, a living body, in the mystical body of Christ. We all are together one body, even if we live, we are living in very distant places geographically. We are one in Christ, in the mystery of the church. And especially when we go 
to receive Holy Communion, we are united with all who, who are receiving worthily, of course, uh, the Holy Communion. And so we are together, the one body of Christ, especially in the most high and intense manner during the Holy Communion, mm -hmm. or spiritually communion or sacramental communion. Mm -hmm. Therefore, a Christian, uh, we have received as Catholics the sacrament of the confirmation mm -hmm. and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But especially, there is one gift of the Holy Spirit, which is so important uh, for those who were confirmed. This is the gift of fortitude, fortitude, the fear to be fearless, fearless, fortitude. And so we are soldiers of Christ. Soldiers has, have not to be fearful. What an army is this who are fearful? We have to be an army without fear because we are the soldiers of a very powerful commander, Jesus Christ. And on our sides are the holy angels. Everyone has his own guardian angel, his own guardian angel. So we, we, are, we have to be courageous. And so maybe these trials today, which are passing, uh, reminding us to renew that we have received the gift of the fortitude. Uh, so, and in the old rite, even the bishop is, is make us stroke on the face. So it's a symbol to show you have not to be fearful. Don't be afraid. So this is for me an occasion to encourage the Catholics to renew the gift of the Holy Sacrament of the Confirmation. Yes, we need a little slaps on our face there to wake us up. Um, thank you. But I could hug you for saying fortitude. I've been, I haven't heard fortitude from anybody it seems like uh the last couple months um what would you like what would you say to people that would get accused of pushing your religion on society you know or, you know like uh legislating morality uh, especially from a catholic standpoint i would say these issues are not religious issues in first place mm -hmm. And therefore the accusation is wrong because if we defend what we are doing substantially, we are not pushing in first place the religious demands, I mean, but the demands of the natural law of all human beings, of common, common sense. So for example, when we are defending life against abortion, mm -hmm. we are not proclaiming the first place a uh, religious, a Catholic truth. We are proclaiming a natural law mm -hmm. for all people, for all religions, even for the atheists, uh, the, the natural law mm -hmm. to not to kill innocent and fragile uh, uh, human beings, mm -hmm. for example. Or when we are defending the, 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 the marriage the natural meaning of the marriage mm -hmm. of one man and one woman, this is inscribed in the being of every human being by God mm -hmm. in the natural law. It is uh, a natural revelation, not a supernatural revelation. Mm -hmm. Of course, we have 
for the same um, truth uh, uh, additional confirmation in the revelation of God in the Bible. But this is a additional revelation that you have not to, you must not kill, and that the God created the marriage as one man, one woman, and so on. So you see, we have. I think we have to defend the common dignity and value of human beings. So I have not to say we are pushing our religion in the. In the in the society. Mm -hmm. No, we are defending the human being simply and common reason. And we are defending by this the stability of a society. Otherwise, this society, who, uh, which is killing their own babies on a mass scale and uh, proclaiming uh, such laws against the nature as the same-sex uh, unions and so on. This society will collapse, surely collapse completely after some time. And so we are doing the best for the society in defending life and the natural marriage. We have not to say the traditional marriage. This is nothing to do with tradition. It has to do with common sense, with, with reason, it has to do with nature. Mm -hmm. And of course, it has to do with the will of God, because this is the will of God as he created us. And only when we are fulfilling the will of God in nature, we, be, we will be happy and there will be peace. Mm -hmm. this, is, uh, this is very evident a law. And so we defending life and, and true marriage we are only, we are only getting the, we are becoming the benefactors of society. Humanity will continue, humanity will continue in society to reject, to trample the, the law of God and their own nature. Such a society will not survive, it will collect collapse. And also, we know from the history of the from the history and also from the sacred history of salvation, that when humanity is reaching a so very dangerous point to blaspheme God, of blasphemy, of rejection of God in the natural law, then God will intervene. And these are the chastisements and the punishments which God sends. And this is written in Holy Scripture in the last book of the New Testament. Not the Old Testament, the New Testament. Mm -hmm. The revelation of John. So God is already giving us what he will do and he will do. And there are the angels of the punishments, you can read this in the Apocalypse of the St. John, and this will come. And the entire Holy Scripture says that there will be a judgment of God. There will be. And we have to remind people of this reality. Otherwise, we are betraying humanity when we are silencing that there will come 
a judgment of God, and this judgment can come tomorrow. We don't know. But from uh, from the point of view of, of say human observing and experience, uh, when humanity will continue, Our Lady in Fatima said to to the humanity, if people will continue to offend God, God will send a punishment. And but this will be for the ultimately also the punishments of God are for the good at least to awaken people, then they don't continue to sin. And this is also an effect of the punishments of God, that people are, at least they stop to do horrible things. Of course not. Oh. But for the others, for the, for the other points of view, for the other side, the evil the chastisement and punishment of God are also a means of revelation. It has to be expiated. And so, uh, of course, the good ones also are suffering. Mm-hmm. But we are, one, we are one family with all. And so the good ones will accept this as a visitation of God, as a purification of their own souls, maybe of their own sins, and to be prepared better for the eternal life. And God sends all only um, some punishments that from these he will, um, how do you say, uh, um, take a, a, a major good, ultimately, mm-hmm. also for the church, for the souls. And uh, such a situation, maybe of persecution of, of, of some punishments of God, will purify the church also, to be purified. Uh, uh, every persecution, as St. Peter writes in his first letter, this is like a purifying fire, mm-hmm. like the gold is cleansed, purified in the fire. So, St. Peter says, uh, the trials, the persecutions are purifying the Christians and the Church. So we have to see ultimately even a possible punishment of God in the light of the providence of God, that God has all things in his hands. Mm-hmm. We have to renew our trust in the fatherly loving providence of God who is also um, educating us and the entire humanity and then not forget that this earth and this life is only temporal mm-hmm. we are not perpetual uh, eternal here on this earth and they will come we are created for heaven for the paradise for the beatitude, and there will come at the end, the world will end, so this is a truth of the faith, and God will uh, create a new heaven and a new earth. What do you see the, the consecration of Russia? 
I've been telling people to say, if this is peace, I don't want to see what war looks like. The last, you know, 20 years has been anything but peace. Uh, is there anything outside of a drastic miracle that we see coming up in the next 10 years to correct anything? I think we have peace God will only grant mm -hmm. to, to humanity and to the church under the condition when we will observe his commandments. We cannot unpunishingly continue to offend God. Mm -hmm. And he will grant us peace. And therefore we have to, to make all effort to, to invite uh, humanity, society to observe the law of God, at least the, the natural law of God, and then to proclaim Christ to all people with love, of course, not with um, pressure, no pressure, but with love, with convincing, with zeal that Christ is the only Savior and only in Christ humanity will have a lasting peace mm -hmm. and only in Christ we can achieve true fraternity but he is the peace and so I think that this first to re-establish the observation the observance of the natural law of common reason of, of common sense, I mean, and the, and the reason in human society, a true human culture, and in the same time to proclaim Christ everywhere and always with love, inviting people to accept Christ as their king. What are some practical steps people can I mean, people might be listening saying, yeah, I'm on board, it's great, but how do I do that? Is there, are there any practical examples you can give laity, Catholic politicians, etc., of ways to be able to move it to proclaim Christ the King? I, I'm thinking like Garcia Moreno, for example, uh, but are there any other ideas uh, that come to mind that people can do? around Christ 
and the Christian faith, uh, we can restore, try to restore the Catholic culture, the beauty, for example, of architecture, the churches, the music, uh, the theater, and so we have a lot of Catholic um, inheritance in received from all the 2,000 years and try to build this up to renew and with others accepting all which is as St. Paul said accept all which is true mm -hmm. which is honorable which is beauty mm -hmm. and so this could be as I repeat uh, we have to make some coalitions with good people even with non-Christians, non-Catholics. Because today, the battle is not more between the enemies of the Church uh, uh, the, and the Catholic Church, but this is a battle between the Antichrist and humanity entirely. I mean, no, it is, it is at stake. The entire human family with these attacks against life and family. And so, this is our first step, I think. And then uh, build up uh, Catholic culture. And of course, also to organize uh, prayer groups and, and to proclaim Christ the King. So these three steps, I mean, with the natural law, the people of goodwill, and then restore slowly, partly the Catholic culture, values, and then uh, the associations of prayers. Are there any modern areas, nations that are doing that or close to doing that or thinking about doing that? Or is it right now nobody's uh, come close right now? No, today the world is difficult because you know we are living in a globalized world. Mm -hmm. And so the anti-Christian, anti-human mentality, they are spread all over the world within one second, in one instant, through the mass media, all people are in some way contaminated with this uh, mentality against natural law, against Christ, and so on. Mm -hmm. But, thanks be to God, they are in several countries especially young people who still kept the natural instinct of truth, of beauty, of the natural law, of reason. And they, they are trying to uh, also on a social level uh, to re, uh, reintegrate, re reintegration of the Christian faith and Christ. Um, there are in Poland some groups who want to uh, promote Christ the King also on a public uh, level, for example. In Hungary, uh, at least, uh, there is uh, a government who is promoting family and natural law. So there are some steps, but there are very few. I think that we have to, since uh, the entire political scenario is be became more global, globalized, 
and in some way interconnected and lastly directed by a kind of central power it is difficult for a concrete country but i think that maybe some countries in europe christian they could make a coalition at least to pro to promote the christian values mm -hmm. the values of natural law and then the christian culture and then make some international coalitions for example to promote politicians politicians who will promote the natural law politicians uh, people from poli who are in the politics social life who promote the values of cultural cultural a catholic culture for example would you tell uh, or recommend uh anybody to basically go run for office uh especially to help uh, not save society i guess but help promote the kingship of Christ is if they have the opportunity, if they have the means and they have the knowledge, obviously, no one, just anybody jumping in the, the idea for it. But would you recommend the Catholics to get involved and try to fix kind of like a word infiltrate in a sense, uh, politics to be able to change the course of action? It depends on the countries. I think it will be more difficult in the United States because this country is a very secular politi political tradition and not Catholic. And so, and the Protestant tradition, they never uh, were um, uh, promoting Christ the King as a social kingship, you know. It is, uh, it is a Catholic um, idea and a Catholic tradition from the times of uh, from the New Testament and the fathers of the church and the entire 2000 years but maybe we can approach these things to our Protestant brothers to approach to them the meaning of Christ the King especially this beautiful encyclical of Pius the, the 11th Christ Primas um, this could be a help uh, to to make together because only a Catholic will not achieve in this our time some um, effects and results. We have to have to a coalition and to good uh, Protestant evangelical believers who would also promote this this idea of Christ the King in society maybe. So, but at least we can do this maybe on a local level, on a regional level first, to to make some, uh, to dedicate uh, a city or a town or a village to Christ, to his sacred heart, that he will be like, the king of our hearts and of this village, of this town, of this city, maybe then of this county or this region so i think we have to proceed from uh, from uh, small steps but this is already worthwhile even if one village will proclaim christ or consecrate themselves to christ the king to his um, royal heart it would be already a progress 
So we have to, to go by, by small steps to, to spread and proclaim Christ the King. That's, yeah, that's an excellent point because uh, many people get despair if they look at the global idea of it and even uh, that goes through evangelization right there. Start local, your neighborhood, your village, and then eventually it spreads out. Um, I know I, was, I thought about getting uh, Michael Davies' book on the kingship of Christ. Uh, Tan Books has it for a bulk for a hundred for I think it's a dollar each and just pass those out to people. I gave one to a senator about five years ago. Um, are there any books besides, I think yours, Christus Vincit and Quas Primus, obviously, and Michael Davies' book, are there any other books that you would recommend people read? Um, maybe it could be read also the work of St. Augustine on the City of God. Of course, it is not so easy in every part to read this, but to have a global idea of the victory of the city of God against the city of the evil, of the city of man. And so this work of St. Augustine gives us also a realistic vision of what is happening in the history, but also uh, proclaiming the, the victory. And this is a work of the first centuries, for example. So we have the, the texts and the works of our time, but also of these first fathers of the church, St. Augustine, his famous work on the city of God, for example. And, but also we can read maybe biographies of good Catholic Christian kings who were really dedicated to Christ the King. Let us say, uh, Saint Louis, the King of France, his life, for example, mm -hmm. or the life of the last Catholic Emperor, uh, Blessed uh, Emperor Karl of Austria, mm -hmm. and to spread uh, the knowledge of his life, the knowledge of what he did, of his words, so it could also encourage people to say that even kings and emperors were dedicated entirely to Christ. And, or for example, the beautiful example of the Portuguese kings. I don't remember the exact name of this king, but I, I think it was a king or in the 16th or in the 17th century who, who brought his crown, the royal crown, and uh, put this crown at uh, the feet of Our Lady and declared her the, the queen. And since then, the Portuguese kings did not wear the royal crown because they gave the crown to Our Lady, for example. Uh, such concrete examples we have to spread, for example, could be good that some a scholar, a good Catholic scholar, could could write a book with these examples, or with good politicians. Another good politician, Catholic politician from the 19th century, is the Spanish um, Donoso Cortes. Mm -hmm. uh, he was a very committed Catholic uh, politician. 
it's also an example for his writings and his life. So we have to present concrete examples. Final final question for you, and I'll let you go, is uh, church and state. I know it's a, pretty, a new phenomenon, basically, from French Revolution times. But uh, how? what is the role in the state and the church? The, and we all know that the church teaches there's no separation of church and state. But what is the role? I mean, is the church supposed to be on top of the state? Is the state supposed to be on top of the church? It seems today the state's on top of the church. And if I'm correct, it used to be the church telling the state what to do.
the garbage, how you uh, you order the garbage <laughs> and the trash. <laughs> this, this is the competency of the government, mm -hmm. not of the church. Mm -hmm. The church has to be the competency to to remove the trash of the things and not of the material. This is the competency and so on. So we have to observe the competency mm -hmm. of, and therefore the, the, the government have, has no competence in liturgy. As today, in this uh, epidemic season, some governments made the church prescriptions that you cannot, how you have to do the right of distributing Holy Communion. This is another competency of the government. Mm -hmm. This is a typical and um, own proper competence of the church. Only a case, I mean. So, I repeat, the government, the state has to accept the guidance, the, the directions, the moral, I mean, the moral directions of the church and also the government, the state, the society has the moral duty from natural law to worship God to give honor to God as a society and as a state. Otherwise, it will be atheistic and this is against nature and against divine commandment. Mm -hmm. And But how to give honor to God, how to worship? The government has to ask the church what is the true manner to worship God. Mm -hmm. And the church says only one true manner is to adore the Most Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, in in the Catholic Church, mm -hmm. which Christ, um, which Christ established Himself. Only one Church. There is no two uh, realities: the Christ of Church and the Catholic Church. No, there is one, the same. The, there is only one Church. This is the Church of Christ, which he founded, and this is the Catholic Church here on earth. And so we have to uh, know this. But I repeat, and to summarize, um, the, government, the, the state and the Church of the faith has to go together. Maybe we can also compare this with this beautiful image which John Paul II, for John Paul II gave, the relationship between uh, reason and faith. So, mm -hmm. it is like a bird uh, with his two uh, rings. Mm -hmm. So, a bird has, has to have two rings to fly, to go up, upwards. And this is the reason and faith, nature and grace, mm -hmm. state and church. So the Catholic and the true divine method is the synthesis, synthesis. And this is the way of God. Amen to that. Uh, I just I forgot about uh, saying thank you for this. Uh, some priest friends of mine uh ended communion in the hand because of your book at one of their parishes they introduced intinction uh passed out your book to every parishioner at their parish 
after about a month or two they gradually went to uh, uh, regular Latin style communion uh, went away with the intinction and now they've nobody at their nobody at the parish receives in their hand they're all kneeling at the altar on their tongue uh, and I know of two parishes that have done that in this in one particular diocese so not only has Bishop Snyder wrote the book Christus Vincent, he also wrote this book Dominus Est, which is a must read for anybody out there. Yes, I'm. We all have to be happy and desire that Christ, our Lord, in the Holy Eucharist, be ever more venerated, respected, adored interiorly and exteriorly so as St. Thomas Aquinas uh, said in his hymn, Eucharistic hymn um, in rela relating Eucharist do all what you can or dare to give Christ as much honor as you can mm -hmm. dare so this is Tantum aude quantum potes in Latin. Mm -hmm. And then the other expression in his hymn, uh, which we read last week on the feast of Corpus Christi, Signos uh, visita sicute colimus. It means, O Lord, visit us now. Me personally, my family, the church, entire world, with graces at the extent as we honor you, the Eucharist. Mm -hmm. yeah, as we will honor our Lord in the Eucharist, mm -hmm. so he will give us graces and the entire church. Amen. Your Excellency, thank you very much for your time. Can we get a final blessing before you go? Yes. Dominus Vobiscum. Ecum Spiritum. Et benedictio Dei Omnipotentis, Patris, et Fili, et Spiritus Sancti, descendas super vos, et manet semper. Amen. Your Excellency, thank you very much for your time.